0: This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
1: Hello, and welcome to SpyCast from the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Peter Ernest, the executive director of the museum. I served for some 36 years in the Central Intelligence Agency, largely as what is called an operations officer or case officer. Every month we'll be bringing you interesting talks with visitors, with authors, with others who have something to do with the world of intelligence and espionage. And today we thought it would be very interesting to take a look at a new, and according to the New Yorker, one of the most important movies made on the subject of espionage, and that's The Good Shepherd, directed by Robert Robert De Niro, and who also uh, plays a leading role in it. And uh, joining me today are two people with considerable background in the subject of espionage, the experience of espionage, Jack Platt who was a former colleague of mine at the Central Intelligence Agency through much of the Cold War over a quarter of a century primarily in intelligence operations that is the clandestine service collecting intelligence and also uh, here today is Elizabeth Bancroft who is the executive director of the Association for Intelligence Officers and has been for the past 4 years and as such she deals all the time with intelligence of officers from all of the agencies, as well as from the OSS. And most of you, I'm sure, are aware by this point that De Niro's movie focuses primarily on that that transitional period that began with the the OSS, how it was formed during World War II, and was formed as a as an organization to uh, conduct resistance, sabotage operations, and so forth. Was disbanded at the end of the war, but then the segued into, if you will, the Central Intelligence Agency, which was founded in 1947, not long after the dissolution of the OSS. So that picks up the movie. The leading character, of course, is Matt Damon, who goes by the name of Edward Wilson in the film. Uh, They say loosely based on a real agency character uh, by the name of James Angleton, who was chief of counterintelligence for some 20 years, 1954 to 1974. So, picking up from there, our our purpose here today is to discuss a number of the finer points of the movie. We don't want to give the plot away. So, what I'd like to do, if we could, is start with Jack Platt. Uh, Jack has consulted with De Niro from time to time about this film, and Jack, I wonder if you could just say a bit about your sense of what De Niro had in mind. I mean, he we keep hearing he had it in mind for many years. You've been rather close to the process. What's your sense of De Niro's purpose?
2: Uh, Yes, thank you very much for uh, inviting us here. It's always uh, nice to be here and to see an old colleague again. Thank you. I was lucky enough, I think, to uh, be consulted, I must say, on the edges, at the periphery. I couldn't even be considered a technical consultant uh, to the film but uh, through uh, a sister of mine who's in the industry and also through Mr. Milk Bearden, who gets a lot of credit for being the technical director, I did meet with uh, Robert De Niro. I did manage to uh, introduce him to some of former Soviet counterparts in Moscow so that he could uh, sit in the sauna with them and uh, get sort of a, a bird's-eye uh, point of view. Uh, I'm... Uh I have mixed emotions uh, about this film having seen it. I have to look at it as a piece of entertainment. Uh, I understand the film industry uh, a little bit based upon what my sister did out in Hollywood. She is a member of the industry, but I also understand it from looking at it from the point of view of having had this experience in the CIA as a clandestine services officer who. I hope recruited good spies and ran them and, uh, and, uh, didn't get anybody killed. Uh, as a result of that, I, the one thing that I took away from seeing the movie was sort of, I'm afraid to say an opportunity missed. It was an opportunity, uh, missed in the sense of certain things about the espionage world, I believe were, were that were not true that simply are not true, were perpetrated by an excellent director and a great acting uh, group group of actors who really acted their part well and therefore sold themselves to it. And as a a result of that, it was a very entertaining film, something to look at. I, I would say that if Robert De Niro wanted to make a movie that people would talk about, look at what we're doing here today. I, nobody is going to walk away from that theater having seen it by just saying "ho hum, just another movie." So I think, in that sense, Robert De Niro accomplished his mission. But I don't think that he caught, I think, the real atmosphere, the real, real tenure of what it was like to be a case officer in the clandestine services. Let me let me let me come back to you after a bit. Sure. Um,
1: Because it might be helpful. There's a general statement there, but it might be helpful to come back and look at some of the specific aspects. In other words, if we feel that he didn't get it right on the mark, where was he wrong? In other words, did he get it on the mark as far as the relationship went? Did he get it on the mark as far as the effects of secrecy and creating paranoia? And we'll come back to those. Let me just turn to Elizabeth and and ask to comment on Jack's uh, take on the movie as a production, as a whole production. I know, and I think you told me a number of OSS people had gotten in touch with you after seeing the film, and I'm just interested in what you're taking from that as well as your own impression.
3: Well, I think many people uh, started into the film with the understanding that this probably is going to be a a fabulous, epic history of of OSS, its time in, in running operations during the war, and then the transition to CIA, which many of them did go on to join. And they were disappointed. Uh, they felt that there weren't these marital problems. There wasn't the uh, the uh, waterboarding in the later segments. But there weren't the, the level of mishaps that were conveyed uh, in the film that they ever experienced. And they were angry. Uh, I think when you sit back with them and you say, but... You know, this was not to give you a precise history. They took some of the facts and they pieced it together by creating their own history because they don't want you to have to come to the film with a knowledge of all these cases. The idea was you come in and you're literally getting, you're going through the career with Ed Wilson. You're experiencing the unknowable because many times you're, you, you're dropped into the middle of an operation. And things are confusing, and you don't always know. It's fascinating to ask people in an operation, what is your take of it? Do you understand it? It's amazing. It's like a game of of, uh, telephone. Everybody has a different theory of what's really happening. That is what you get in this film. If you go out of the movie for a minute, you're going to miss a major uh, component. You have to stay alert, but that is the nature of intelligence. You cannot blink. You've got to be following what is happening all the time. And I think that those who were there expecting history were unhappy. Those who wanted to get a feel for what the atmosphere is like are going to come away saying, "Wow, I would love that profession.
1: De Niro has created a world in the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just to take the protagonist, to take for a moment Edward Wilson, Matt Damon. Have have we known a Matt Damon?
2: Good question. Have we known a Matt Damon? Uh, I go back to to what it was that De Niro had in mind which was not to really create a, a character per se. I know it's said over and over again that that the Matt Damon character is modeled after uh, James Jesus Angleton who was the big counterintelligence figure that you mentioned. But it, it is also a conglomerate it's a, a, and a morphing of uh, several characters that uh, come to mind to me too that even have to do with Folks like uh, uh, Mr. Ray Rocca, who at one point was was uh, an assistant uh, to Angleton in the film. Of uh, Mr. Bissell, who was the father and the conceiver of the Bay of Pigs operation, for example, and who had to pay the price when the Bay of Pigs invasion failed us, and of other characters who are, who are woven into it. I sort of side, uh, in a way, not in, not in a way, in, in, a, in a very precise way, with what elizabeth brought up it seems to me that this is a dark side movie that it presents the dark side of uh the the life of of uh, espionage where there were characters who never told their wives anything and the and the marriage uh as as a bond between two people was destroyed as a result of that and that was the decision on the part of whoever the spy handler was to never tell his spouse or her spouse anything about what they were up to. And what this amounted to was, it, it was perhaps conceived of as a, a, a matter of loyalty to the agency, but it was a betrayal of the marriage vow. I, I certainly I did not run into any of my colleagues who behaved the way the Matt Damon character did because otherwise they went to the second post alone. You know, it's a good point. I'd like to just stay with it just for a moment.
1: Um, Certainly in in thinking back to my colleagues, um, the idea of living in that secret world, I mean, you take any people in professional life, very often they hang out to doctors, tend to to, to socialize with other doctors, lawyers with lawyers, journalists with journalists. There is a world that gets created, and, of course, that is a world in intelligence of secrets. and I couldn't agree with you more. There were people who would, would share with their wives, bring them in on things. There were others who didn't. It didn't necessarily have to do with being playing around or anything. It no. might have, but, but that they didn't. And, and I think for some of them, I, I think secrecy had an effect. I think some of them became very, with, very withdrawn. And I think it's interesting. In the film, uh, De Niro has, has put Matt Damon in counterintelligence. And even within the world of of intelligence, counterintelligence is its own little place. Um, Most officers, if we go back to our colleagues, wanted to be collectors. They wanted to go out and recruit spies and do things or be in covert action and so forth and so on. Not spy on their, uh, they, they would say spying on their colleagues like internal investigation and the police. That didn't attract everybody. And of course, Angleton had his own effect because towards the end of his career he had that very negative effect on, on a number of agency people and uh, affected operations negatively towards the end. And the average person doesn't bring that history to the movie. But De Niro is, is, is putting this forward as in some way representative. It's like judging a whole herd of sheep by picking a black one out and saying, let's look at this. Mm-hmm. Because for me, angleton and and Matt Damon here, Edward Wilson, is sort of a
2: black sheep. would Would you agree or I agree with that., okay. that's why I said it showed the dark side mm-hmm. of certain amount of characters, but not the bright side because for all of its secrecy, I think one of the huge advantages to, that, that that many of, of us saw in being what we were is that wonderful capacity to be able to deal with kings and cab drivers. You know this wasn't a the kind of profession where, you only met doctors. Uh, the world of, of espionage required us to seek out information from everybody, from a taxi cab driver all the way up to the president of a, of a country, if you could get to him through his secretary, for example. And that sort of thing I, I don't think was, was portrayed very well.
3: It could not deal with all the issues that it should have. Therefore, exactly. it can't be even-handed. Exactly. But it, it, it took other issues. It said, let's deal with loyalty and betrayal. And it carries that through many times, and choices, the choices he had to make of a spouse. He was in love, really, with someone else and, and had to make another choice. It was actually a, a choice that might benefit his career. Socially, it was beneficial. He was heading into an agency that was known as Oh So Social. And then you had the question of when he moved in to trust other colleagues and was, had a recruitment, that a walk-in, a Golitsyn figure, uh, that he had to debrief and learn to trust. Could he trust that? No matter what tests he comes up with, in the end we see a violin test. But then you say to yourself, does that really prove it? You don't know in the end whether that certified, you could trust that person. And that, that plagues many people their entire careers. Who can you trust? And in a world where people are manufacturing identities to get you to trust them, you can see the confusion. And, and I think he captured that beautifully
1: you had You had, uh, made a comment when I was chatting with you earlier, Elizabeth, that you you thought that even though the film shows, as Jack says, the dark side, it probably would be a recruiting film. The people would look at this and think for one reason or another, they wanted to be part of that. What made
3: you say what What made you think that? I worry about films that, uh, such as the James Bond series, The Casino Royale. They're they're magnificent to watch, they're fun, and they are the distillation of the high points of maybe 10 careers. But the reality is, I think, that those who go to the Good Shepherd and, and are challenged by it, want to see it again, uh, even if you find it confusing the first time, you're not turned off where you, that's it, I, I can't stand that pace. I think those are the sorts of individuals... Who intelligence careers will appeal to, because that is the truer pace. It is not a fast-moving process where every day there's going to be something exciting. You're going to be going off to a a port of call that that where you'll be running operations. It isn't like that. There is a lot of slogging.
1: That's an interesting comment. I heard I heard uh, I had someone tell me that uh, gee they went through this long film and nobody did any quote spying. In other words, it's, so it is a lot of, of sitting at a desk, trying to figure things out, getting evidence that doesn't fit together, and so forth. And I, I, and I have to say this, with, with my background, I went a second time, and I understood it better the second. I mean, I, I went a second time, and I, I thought, uh, if I have to do that, you know, <laughs> they'll sell a lot of tickets because yes. people be, may, may be going back
0: again.
1: Let me just uh, go back for a moment to you, Jack. The, the film depicts several instances of, of, uh, of violence, of, of deliberate violence. Uh, and I think we know that certainly in the world of espionage, violence takes place from time to time. Uh, the Cold War was, you know, was not a gentleman's war, but we weren't trying to kill each other at the, at the point. It, to the extent, for example, that we and the terrorists are pretty much at dagger points today and trying to kill each other. We see that playing out in the Middle East. What did you think of, of, the, of the scenes that, that you know, had a violent side to them, if you will, of which Damon was a part in, in the two or three instances I'm thinking of?
2: I would say in all the instances that I can think of in the film, the Damon character, uh, Mr. Wilson, was a part of it. And I regret that it was, uh, to me, a perpetuation of that which is not true. It isn't isn't, uh, true to fact. There's an interrogation scene that takes place in the film, which is so much over the top of anything that I uh, ever knew about. Uh, including uh, instantaneous battlefield interrogation of uh, captured Vietnamese uh, uh, partisans. That, you know, the object of the game is to get them to talk. It is not to beat them to a pulp so that they can't even open their mouths and tell you what they know. And there, were, I'm afraid there was a perpetuation of something like that. There's also a drugging incident that takes place that played such a minor role in the real history of the CIA as to, to sort of... Uh, shall I say, exaggerated beyond the point where you needed to make a, a statement uh, about something that happened and and there were there were deaths that that uh, took place that I thought were unnecessary in terms of telling the story that that uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth is talking about, which is this juxtaposition of, you know, loyalty versus disloyalty and betrayal of, of uh, trust and, and people betraying each other, being very, very close to one another, my feeling. Uh, you know, I, let me just
1: ask you both one question. That is, the film really makes a point of starting out with this whole genesis in the skull and the, 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 the Yale society, the uh, skull and bone society. And, and I think what that's playing on, of course, is, is OSS Oh, people were trying to recruit people quickly and there was this—was what we call today networking and they went to people they had known in the university and so forth and so OSS and the early part of CIA had the reputation for sort of uh, getting a lot of people from the Ivy Leagues. That's where they went that's where they were finding people and the diversity the, 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 the desire to broaden that came about later and now today we're seeing an even greater need did you have a comment
2: on that Jack? on the, the whole skull and bones part of it well, once i I have to say that there were many, many things about this film that I really liked and would encourage people to go see. But there were a couple of things such as the the portrayal of of the uh, Yale people as a well, sort of kids who were immature in their behavior and and in their initiation fees, you know. I don't. I don't go with urinating off a balcony onto people. You know, I. You know, I belonged to a very bad fraternity when I was in college, and even that was taboo. Let me tell you. Okay. So you know, when it comes to that, I believe that it was overplayed because that is a that is a generation of people that I had uncles and and my father that I belonged to, and these were men of great goodwill who have, could have avoided the battlefield very very easily with their Harvard, Yale, Princeton uh, credentials in hand and gone into the federal government, where they never would have had to hear a a shot fired in anger, and yet they volunteered to go into the OSS. So I believe that the caliber of of men and women who joined that initially were motivated more by great patriotism and lending their great skills to the battle than they were for the Oso, I think. Yeah. I think I, that's what made I, I General Singlaub mad. I agree. Yeah.
3: And, and,
1: I, and, and Elizabeth, you probably I, know more intelligence officers across the spectrum, including MSS than either Jack or me. <laughs> what is your comment on the, cal- on the general caliber of what you see?
3: Well, certainly the ones in the early era and the, in the early formation were motivated by a high level of patriotism. I think they pulled from these final clubs because the, these were people already trained in secrecy. The clubs were secret. You had to learn to keep secrets. You had a rough group who would treat you very horribly if you broke any of the tenants of these clubs. And so I think in a way it was a, a clever strategy to quickly get people that understood how to keep secrets. And and however they learned that, you bring them in. So it didn't matter what was really happening in those clubs. I think that they were, he may have gone overboard in what he showed. um, A bonesman really does. But I think it was to show that he learned to not talk. You learn things, you keep your mouth closed, and you come in and you participate in a larger group. And he applied that secrecy now to a career protecting the, the country.
1: Jack, let me turn back to you. Among the things you said was you, you thought there were, you know, several things wrong with it that you would, that you would not agree with. Just in, in a word or so, what would those be? What, what struck out for you was just not as wrong, as not real?
2: Uh, what struck me as, as wrong is there, there is an assassination scene that does take place during the first Second World War, uh, which to me made little sense uh, whatsoever, and it was very well acted. And I would say, if you have an assassination that's going to go down and go down properly, there were too many witnesses there to observe this thing happen. I mean, you know, when one sees it in the movie, uh, the first question I would ask myself is, what the hell is everybody doing here? Mm-hmm. If this is one of these, you know, kill him silent and and let no one know what happened to the gentleman afterwards, you know, things like that. There is a, a, a scene in which Uh, certain signals are are being given uh, between uh, gentlemen where a folded up dollar bill is one of the things that is passed from one person to the other. This is such an attention grabber for any innocent person who would observe something like that happen on the street that what the hell is this is a clandestine signal. I want you to go with me out here to E and 8th Street and stand there and hand me a dollar bill and look around at all the people standing there who are looking at that and say, what the hell was that about? Well, when you have a signal in the clandestine services, you don't want anybody else to see it except he or she who's being signaled. It made no sense to me whatsoever.
1: Other than, of course, uh, uh, an act like that allows itself to be filmed. In other words,
2: it's it's not... I mean, this is courtesy of the cameraman who says, I need them to see
1: something. <laughs> I need it right. more
3: out. Yeah. And once again, we are yeah. talking
2: down to the audience.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I, and I, I think what I would say is, and you and I would call that, we would all call that tradecraft. In other words, the, the doing of the business, yeah. if you will. And so the, I think uh, what De Niro in, in his way was and, and his team was trying to convey, these are covert acts. In other words, you see something, but it's really something else and what you're saying and i agree with you is that if we do do things and we do all the time uh... that we don't want seen they are not seen that is not no act takes place that has to be interpreted but that doesn't work for the camera doesn't work okay yeah. elizabeth any final thoughts
3: okay the uh, you, we were mentioning the assassinations and some of the other things and we said well, we didn't do those things but we had calls from people who said to us, I hope they did do that. I hope you are doing those things, because this is what your country is really counting on. This is how bin Laden would have been, been eliminated. Had you been quietly doing these things that your country expects you to do, we don't want to hear how you did it. We just want to know the problems are solved. I think many Americans sitting in these theaters want to know the agency is capable of this. You have people who are not going to blink when they're expected to do it. They won't make a fuss. They're not going to talk about it in the office. They just do it. You take care of business, and you go on protecting the populace who are unknowing about the dangers that they faced that have vanished because of the work silently of intelligence officers.
1: Hmm. I think uh, if, if, if the afternoon proves nothing else... It certainly shows that, that this film carries a weight and, and a, an impact beyond simply a standard afternoon getaway. In other words, I, I think what I, I'm very struck with is the, um, not, not the, the, the heat that you're, that you're bringing to bear in your comments. I mean, it's evoking strong feelings, yes. both in, in the two of us who, who were in the agency for so many years, And uh, uh, certainly you, Elizabeth, who have been so close to the intelligence community for so many years. So I think in in that sense, that's in a way goes to prove what the the one observer, which I opened with from The New Yorker, said that this is one of the most serious uh, films about espionage ever made. And I think that's probably a good note for us to close on. And uh, we'll look back to continuing another dialogue next time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Those of you who have a particularly intense interest and who even may not have seen the film, uh, the following comments are in the spirit of what is called spoiler comments, and so that if you hear them, it may affect your viewing of the movie or at least one or two scenes. So if you want to wait, you can see the film and then hear the comments, or
2: if you just can't wait, hear the comments. At the end, you you are left, as far as I'm concerned, I am left in a quandary. Did the exchange of the dollar bill mean that on his next assignment, as the film closes, you now see the Matt Damon character going into CIA headquarters that says... Did he sell his
3: ass out? Yes, he sold it on. I, I think Did the impression he, he sold some of it for this. He hasn't given away anything significant. But all but of he's us done know that favors. there's no
2: such thing as being half but pregnant. He That's right?
3: But he, he, he is half pregnant. pregnant. But
2: he gave,
1: and yeah, I don't know if it was your word, but he gave tacit acquiescence to that, the KGB knocking off his wife in return for his killing wife, right?
2: his son's Son. would-be bride. Don't
1: you yes. agree? Okay. So i in a sense, he is compromised, he is compromised, but it's
3: not in a way where you could now blackmail him and get more Well, he's not there yet. he's starting down that slope. How far he'll go, we don't know, and that's what makes it so fascinating. but
1: i think I think we would Except say for all, all of us who have seen it,
2: no, yeah yeah if ever there's a telling uh, tale it is the yeah. tale of aldrich ames who thought that he could get away yeah. with selling two spies yeah.
3: well, that's why it's so important because people think they can just be give a little bit but and then get the money and yeah. go and it, you're caught it's yeah. over then but
1: it's interesting because it it echoes the father who was disloyal you don't know what it was about what that meant whether it was you don't know what it was about was he pro-german was it a homosexual? I mean, you just don't know. It just says they said I was destroyed. They were right. That's yes, all it. it says.
2: The only, dis- the only yeah. c- I-, I gotta say this, the only thing in, in, that I, in, that was really clandestine uh, that I saw was one of the things that I told De Niro about very, very early in the game. Because he said, What's a piece of tradecraft? I said, Well, you get taught how to destroy a piece of paper quickly and not leave much. And he said, What's that? And I said, It's called the accordion foil. Yes. Fold. You fold. take something and you fold it up like an accordion, and you stick it on another piece yes. of paper. I said the best thing is in the toilet, yes. okay? And then you you take a match and you light the creases in the in the in the, the fold, and it burns very very steadily right down to absolutely nothing and then yeah. disappears. He said that's amazing.
3: Without very much smoke. That's and helpful. he said there's no smoke. That's I nice. said
2: there's no smoke.
1: Well, we look forward to uh, continuing uh, this dialogue with you. And uh, we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's SpyCast. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, through email at spycast at spymuseum, that's one word, dot org. That's spycast at spy
0: org. Thank you.